You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION. With the number 30 after that, no spaces, Nation 30, and you will receive 30% off your purchase. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your life. I'm enjoying mine. Uh, Today, we have a guy on the podcast who is known for killing deer in hard to reach places uh he's one of the i would say one of the most well-known mobile hunters mr dan infault today he is the hunting beast and we're not talking strategy we're not talking tactics we are going to talk hunting gear and equipment now if you don't know dan has a company called hunting beast gear and today we're going to talk about the climbing sticks that he's developed we're going to talk about the tr- the hang on tree stand that he developed we're going to talk about the ins and outs um, how his background as uh, someone who works in a research and de- development department uh, for a company that does a lot of machining uh, he is a problem solver uh, is, is what he said uh, and how this has all his experience in the timber his experience in his job led him to creating the sticks and the tree stands so it's a pretty interesting episode uh, be sure you are subscribing to the hunting gear podcast because we're going to be having a lot more really that that sentence sound sounded horrible but we're gonna in the future we're gonna have a lot more really good content coming down this pipe and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it because um, now that the seasons are starting to wind down my mind starts to shift back to gear 
for a little bit. And uh, I'm really thinking and evaluating all of the gear that I use throughout the entire season, whether it's for Western trips or whether it's for my whitetail hunting, my, my typical tree stand hunting. I'm reevaluating everything, seeing if there's places where I can be more efficient, seeing if there's any dead weight I can cut, or seeing if there's any new products that I want to pick up. So uh, all those conversations are going to be had here on the Hunting Gear Podcast. We're going to be bringing in a lot of... Um, experts uh you know in whatever category whether it's bows arrows broadheads we're going to be talking to average joes see how they pick their equipment along with uh, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff so uh hopefully you guys enjoy this uh podcast uh, here is dan infault with hunting beast gear all right on the phone with me today mr dan infault dan how we doing man pretty good how you doing can't complain uh uh for the most part i think my season's over how about you yeah me too yeah pretty much done for the year yep how'd your season go uh i got a 10 pointer in uh in wisconsin um during the rut um did some traveling had some close calls um but that's it just a 10 pointer nice nice did you get that in november or a different month uh november november uh, let's see. So for a lot of us, the, the, the first week in November was fairly warm. Did you experience that or did you, did you hunt during cooler temps or when, what part of November was the best for you this year? Oh, I think I shot it right like the first day of November. Oh, okay. Either that or, or either that or it was Halloween or it was something right in that, uh, that time frame. Gotcha. So he was fairly early before the 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 real craziness of the rut hit correct yeah gotcha all right cool man well that's good congrats on that buck but this is the hunting gear podcast and uh today you are on here to talk about beast gear and um i'm excited to um uh, to have you on today to talk about this product line because it's something that came from you Right. So a lot of the times, some of the guests that we have on and the products that we're talking about don't necessarily come from those people, whether the the person who created the product was gone uh, or they sold the company and, and it's since transitioned power to somebody else. You know how it goes. But uh, I'm excited to talk directly to you about this. And so just to kick things off right now, the beast gear has the tree stand and the climbing sticks correct correct okay all right so um basically what i want to do is talk to you about the this uh the timeline okay how long ago because it says here on your website it says four years of prototype testing and engineering how long ago was it when you decided hey man it's time for me to bring tree stand and climbing sticks to the market. That's a good question. Um, uh, this project has been back in my mind for about, you know, 10 or 15 years. Um, but I really never planned on bringing it to market to a certain point. Yeah. About, uh, six or seven years ago, probably seven. Um, I just decided I was going to make my own stuff and uh, didn't care what it cost or whatever. I was just going to build my own equipment and um, build what I wanted to use the way I wanted to use it. I, I was uh, at a point where I felt like 
nobody in the industry was addressing mobile hunting. And the majority of us are mobile hunters. The majority of us live on public land. The majority of us go on a trip once a year to a different state and need to be able to set up quick and, and, and hunt and be mobile. But the industry was addressing um, people who um, would put 40 stands on their property, rotate through the stands based on the wind, and that's a whole different type of hunting. So there's really nothing for us. And what we were doing was using equipment built for something else to mobile hunt. Yeah. And uh, some of the equipment was pretty good, like um, lone wolf portable tree stands um, that uh, Weaver has. Um, those stands are really good. I, I, I like them, but there's some flaws in them uh, for a mobile guy. Um, but it was, it was usable and doable. But I thought I could do something better for myself and didn't really – taking any kind of concept of making something for somebody else. And I work in an industry where I develop new products for engineering groups, uh, mechanical projects, um, metal products, um, the same kind of stuff like tree stands only for a whole different industry and work with development teams to build this stuff. So I kind of have an expert background in that stuff. And I think a lot of tree stand manufacturers that come out, these new people don't, they're hunters that have an idea they want to build. And because of that, it doesn't come out quite right, I think. Gotcha. So I kind of just wanted to play with my own idea there and, and develop something for myself. And I had the concept of machining or water jetting a stand out of a solid billet of extruded aluminum. Now, there were several companies that had made a stand out of a solid piece, but it wasn't really for production or for sale or for use. It was made out of jig plate as a prototype to test a theory mostly in like casting so they would first make it out of metal and then go cast it but they never came up with the concept of extruded metal and the thing with extruded metal is that it has a grain to it so it's not fragile like casting so it can make it much thinner and uh it'll flex and bend back where it won't snap so you can make a lighter weight stand so um that, that's where I came up with the concept for the stand, but the first thing I made was the sticks. And uh, there's a lot more into something like that than what a, what a person really realizes. Yeah. So so you, I, I know this because I've talked to you before, but your your background is is a, like a CNC machinist, correct? Well, actually, um, I do um, R&D machining, so I use all kinds of equipment. Okay. Um, so I run a department. Oh, okay. Um, now it's been downsized like crazy because of the industry's backing off. But but I run a department that uh, that works with engineering teams to develop products. Now it's in the printing industry, so I'm basically I'm making machines for printing to make magazines and stuff like that, which is kind of boring. But it's still you get to make you know exciting product projects and work on things. And that's all I do is like when you're in high school and working shop class and you. You build some project. That's kind of what I do is I build new products like that. And then I work with engineering teams to, to um, make them more machinable, develop them different, you know, more economical, things like that. Um, and I've been doing that for um, my whole life. Right. And so the cool thing about what you do and this, you know, the transferring that knowledge over into beast gear it sounds like uh you have a background not only in machining but in problem solving 
uh, for, for products. Right. And so I'll have engineering come to me and they'll say, we've got this, this, this product here and it's, we have this problem with it. We can't figure out what it is. And we'll, we'll have, you know, uh, the best guys get together and we'll have group thought about how to fix this issue and what we can mechanically build or alter to make something work better. So it's an ongoing process of, of fixing things. And because of that, I mean, when a guy like me walks through a deer show and looks at products, I look at them and I'm like, well, that's going to fail right there. It's going to fail right there. And it's funny because I can watch it later on have recalls for what, you know, what you saw was going to fail. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird because to me, it looks like everybody should see that, but it's just that, that I looked at it for, you know, that kind of stuff for 20 years. So I, I see it different. Yeah. Or at the same time, you know, and I'm somewhat like you where I'll walk through the show and I may not see the failure points on a uh, specific product, but I see its limitations. And, you know, the one right. thing. And, and yeah. you know where that is, is because you're an expert too. You're an expert in, in how you hunt and what you need. Yeah. And this guy's trying to develop something for you. And you're like, well, that's not exactly what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one th- the one thing that sticks out to me is the crooked tree. Right. So not yep. being able to level a tree stand. I mean, I'm a, I would, I don't even know what percentage I'm going to say high over 75 of the tree stands, if not closer to 80 or 85% of the tree stands on the market, you have to have a tra- uh, straight tree to use them. Correct. So that's one thing it's out of the blue that pisses me off. So, <laughs> um, and, and at the same time, you know, a mobile hunter, once you start to get, now, not the, not the new guys that are kind of bumbling around, but once you start to get successful, you start to realize big bucks live on edge. Yeah. Try finding straight, uncrooked trees on edge. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So the first, the first uh, product that you wanted to bring uh, to the market was the the sticks. What did that process look like for you? I mean, did you always have an idea uh, that you know? you wanted uh, a double step and that you wanted these, these uh, it, it to be a certain height and all this stuff where walk us through the process of the evolution of that stick from prototype to market. The evolution of that stick was I was using a, a stick that's currently on the market where the, the um, bracket that connects to the tree rotates, mm-hmm. the steps rotate from one side to the other. Um, and they kept loosening up. I wanted something that didn't loosen up. They kept squeaking and making noises. They, uh, when they'd loosen, it would cause issues where, to, um, where it would bend the bolt a little bit, open up the holes, things like that. And it would get worse and worse. And then you'd have to keep repairing this thing. You'd have to keep tightening bolts and nuts and stuff. And then I felt like the step distance on it from step to step was so short. It was ridiculous that, uh, you, so I felt like I wanted to correct the problems with it. Um, so I took the stick that I had and I thought, I want a rigid stick. I don't want anything on there moving. Moving parts make noise. They loosen, they break, they, they need repair. They need to be maintained. I want something rigid. So I looked at something being solid where you put it together solid and it stays together solid. And I want it to be a real tight fit. So, the first thing was to have, you know, um, a, you know, a solid step. And I wanted it on both sides because half the time I'm hanging from a tree, setting a stand, 
on the old stick with one foot and I'm hanging on the tree with one arm and I'm trying to put the stand on with the other arm. And while I'm hanging on with the other arm, I'm trying to get a strap on where I felt like, man, why wouldn't you want two steps on this? Well, the reason was they were building it for people that put it up once. You only have to deal with that once. I do it every day, every morning, every evening. I take it up, take it down. So I wanted that double step and I wanted it wide enough, you know, to take a big winter boot. Um, and I wanted it at the top where I could stand across the whole top of the stick. And uh, then I felt like the angle on the stick that I had was not great enough. So if I got on, onto an angled tree, number one, the stick would rotate around the tree with the other brand. As soon as you had an angled tree, if you put it on the angle, which sometimes you need to if you're, you know, you want to sneak up the backside of a tree or, or something. But uh, their angle was like, four or five degrees. I think, I think it was actually four degrees um, angle on it. And what would happen is a step would wear and, and eventually be vertical and any kind of angle at all, your foot slipping off of it. So I made an aggressive 10 degree angle on it, on, on ours. And then I made it, I made a fit to fit into the, um, the tube. And I kept that really high tolerance you know, within thousands, it was almost a press fit. You know, you just kind of snap it on there and bolt it together and there's nothing to move. Cause if you get any kind of wobble in there, it's going to just increase and it's going to create noise. It's going to create creaks and all that stuff. Um, so that pretty much developed the, the, the step. And I want to integrate that into the, to the antler bracket on the backside that connects to the tree. So that was kind of a fun project because I was able to use the computer models and stuff. And uh, take all the different diameters of trees that I figured I'd be hunting out of. And make it so that the find the points that work best for all the different tree diameters. And then, then I took uh, computer models and made it into like an antler rack to look like an antler rack. Yeah. With the points being in the positions I needed. So then um, I put them at a sharp angle. And then the first models I made were really sharp. And I wanted them sharp for myself but they were pretty sharp and people got cut a little bit at first. So we've dulled that up um, because it really, the first models were made for me, like I said, um, but still it's sharp enough that it cuts into a tree a little bit, slides down, locks in. And even when you unstrap, most of the time you got to pull it out of the tree. Um, but it, it, we made it so it would grab onto the tree. So you can literally put it on a tree, you know, on a severe angle and it won't rotate around the tree. It won't kick out. It won't do any of that. Okay. So we use computer models, too, to figure out the exact position of the, um, like the button, where you want the force from the strap to make sure it was pushing the bottom uh, antler bracket into the tree. Because the common problem with the other sticks was it a kick out. As a matter of fact, I couldn't find any sticks that didn't kick out. I mean, they got a little better if they're longer, but it was hard to find a short stick that did not kick out on the bottom. So by getting the, the model right on the antler bracket, and that took some work. It took a lot of uh, prototyping, a lot of effort, a lot of field testing. Um, but eventually we got it to the point where when you put that thing on a tree, it just locks in, yeah. period. Um, and then you know, the worst part about it is when you, when you sell these things, I mean, people look at it like it's just a stick. Yeah. But if you can get it in a guy's hands, once they try it, they'll never go back. I mean, the, if they've used the other brands they're like holy crap <laughs> you know what i mean so the more i sell the more i sell you see a snowballing effect 
Um, but like I said, I wasn't planning on selling them. And the first ones were solid tubes, and then I started thinking about weight reduction holes and how that would add a 3D effect to see through them and add an aggressive chamfer so that uh, you could grip it and it would give little shadows. And uh, then we use computer models to take as much material out as possible in the right areas without uh, without the stick bending. Yeah. I want you to explain that because, you know, the stick looks cool, but, you know, someone, you know, let's just say someone who doesn't know any better looks at that and goes, man, that just doesn't look as stable as some of the other sticks on the market just because of all the holes drilled through it. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny you say that because you see other other stand companies and stuff um, trying to mimic that, and they're they're using odd shaped holes and stuff. Well, uh, round holes are strong; they they're really strong because they got a complete um, radius. Uh, it's hard to explain; it's like an engineering thing. But round holes are much stronger than any other shape, so that's why we use round. And then what we could do is we put them in a uh, stand. Um, we put, put it in a computer model and we can shift these holes around in different positions and we can, um, in the models, we can add force to the stick, um, where the force would be. And the computer models will tell us at what weight they'll give out. at. If you put a weight on like on the step, when will it give out? And, uh, they're pretty accurate. Now they make some mistakes because when you get in the field, there's a little bit of difference in a tree, you know, than, than, the perfect world of a computer. Yeah. You know how it's, where it's exactly having pressure on the tree because of the shape of the tree and stuff like that. So it's still got to be field tested, but it gets you right in the ballpark real close. Yeah. And then we really, we took it to the point where it would bend and then just backed it off just a little bit and uh, shifted the holes around to the perfect positions. And you'll notice that there's some areas that we don't have holes in. And that's because if you put them there, it's going to, it's going to bend. Okay. So that's what the four series are. So, so let's talk about the material you used, you know, for all the components of the stands and then, or excuse me, the, the sticks and why that's important as well. Yeah, we used, uh, um, extruded, uh, 6061 aluminum. I, uh, I, I extrude every single piece of that, uh, or metal piece of that stand. I mean, a stick. So, um, the tube is even extruded. Because tubing varies in size up to plus or minus a sixteenth, believe it or not. So if I just bought tubing, um, the size would vary greatly, and it would uh, you wouldn't get that tight fit. So in order to keep that tight fit from the um, antler bracket to the stick, both pieces are extruded so that they fit together real tight, which is an expensive process. It's expensive to extrude them, and it's a lot more expensive than buying a piece of tubing. Okay. All right. So, so then, you know, there's the, there's the people out there who are nuts when it comes to weight. Okay. And I see that, uh, you know, the stick here with the fastening strap is 2.2 pounds. Where does that uh, compare to the other climbing sticks on the market at that size? Um, you know, I haven't really looked around that close. I just worried about getting mine as low as possible. Yeah. Um, I know there's some new ones coming out that are pretty light. Um, I think some of the choices in engineering and materials are interesting, but that has yet to be seen. But um, we just worried about getting ours as light as possible and being as, as um, 
you know, as uh, efficient as possible. Gotcha. All right. So then, uh, and then as far as the, the sticks are concerned, uh, do they come in one size or multiple sizes? Right now we have two sizes. Um, we've, we've got the, um, the, uh, 24 inch and, uh, and, uh, 20 inch and, uh, the 20 inch has the 18 inch step. And, uh, I actually, um, when I first built them, I wanted to have the longest strides you could have where it would be useful for everybody. And we came up with the longer stick. That was the first one we built. And we tried it with people that were real short. We tried it with older people. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, something where the average guy would look at that length and say, well, I don't want that. That's too, too, too far. But what they don't realize is you're not standing next to something, not holding on something, lifting your foot, like on a ladder or something. You're actually, when you grab onto the tree, you can lift your foot a lot higher. So, that step distance worked real well and it worked with, with uh, over 95% of our customers, but you had to convince them that they could lift their foot that far. Once they try it, they'd like it. Yeah. But so that was my thing was to get it as long as possible. So we could, you know, high up the tree as possible. But what I found out is when we made the short sticks and I made them more out of uh, people really wanting the short sticks. So when I made them, I kind of made them with a, like, I don't know, you know, but when I used them, I was really impressed. Um, I can get almost the same height as the longer ones. I mean, you're only talking a four inch difference per stick. So in two sticks, you're only talking eight inches or yeah. 16 and four. So really you're getting the same height, you know, and um, it ain't much difference. You could stretch them just a little further and still get the same height. Yeah. But uh, so I really like the shorter ones. Um, I like the way they pack on, uh, the stand, stand, well, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the other thing when you're talking about material before, um, you know, we use the 6061 strudel aluminum. A lot of guys are wanting to use carbon fiber and plastics and stuff. And those materials break down. They break down and, you know, we studied that stuff. Our, our engineering team looked over that, you know, you have problems in colder weather with stuff like that. So, that's why we steered away from that stuff. And people are still trying to get us to, to create stuff out of that, those type of materials, but I'm a little leery of them. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the next step in really any, in the mobile game is everybody wants carbon fiber, but I don't think people understand what carbon fiber does just like you mentioned. So, um, so the sticks, they, they stack together tight, uh, like similar products or are they, um, they, they bulky. How's that work? Actually, we made it a loose fit. Okay. Um, and some people are always saying like, well, why didn't you make it tight? Well, I always had a problem with the other sticks that were tight because when you pull them apart, they'd make a noise. Yeah. And when you're hunting mobile, I think a big part of the game is getting really close to the deer. It's slipping in there quietly and setting up. And if you're ripping these things apart or trying to pop them apart, you're going to get clang. You're going to get noises. So I wanted to be able to, they stack together, they, they go together real nice where they're not going to fall apart or anything. But they're, they're, when you take them apart, take your bungees off or you unscrew your locking mechanism, you can just lift the stick off without making noise. You just lift it off slow. Yeah. I didn't want them to stick together. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else interesting about the the development of the stick or the current model, uh, maybe or maybe even you know, as 
as you start to use it, is it perfect now or are you always kind of like messing around and saying, okay, well, here's what I can do better. Here's what I can do better. I think I got the stick down. I think that short stick is the best stick that's developed. Okay. I don't, I don't think you can really make it better than that from my mindset. I mean, some people might prefer something like a folding step or something like that, but um, I think that's pretty much done and I need to concentrate on new projects. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So we, we covered the, the stick there real quick. Now let's head and talk about the tree stand. Uh, kind of the same question here. You know, you mentioned that you used lone wolf, you know, for a while. Um, how much of that product is, you know, cause it's something that you used a lot. How much of that product is in your th- thought process while you're developing the, the beast stand? Well, I worked, I worked with Lone Wolf for many years, um, since the eighties uh, and, uh, uh, got me a real good background in tree stands from working with them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so it's got some, you know, some bearing on my development for sure. Um, I like some things about it. And, you know, when you're thinking about a, a Lone Wolf cast design, you know, you're thinking, well, they're casting it to reduce noise. So you don't have weld squeaks. You don't have you know, tubing, echo, all that kind of stuff. That solid design is, is a pretty cool concept. Um, but, you know, you're looking at the, the casting as being brittle. Casting don't give it all. It just snaps. So you have to make it bulkier. doesn't mean it's dangerous or anything. It just means that you have to make it thicker to, to make your, your ratings. So it's a little heavier um, than what you'd like. Um, so, you know, looking at that, I was thinking, well, they got a patent on casting tree stands when they first came out. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to apply for a patent for machining tree stands out of extruded aluminum, which we have a current patent pending right now, which we're pretty hopeful it's going to go through. We're negotiating it right now um, on machining platforms out of extruded plates. And uh, it's, it's a, uh, really cutting the weight in half and having the same kind of concept of a tree stand. Gotcha. And is this the, the, the same material uh, that you use on the sticks? Is that uh, on the uh, tree stand as well? Correct. Okay. All right. So then the, the, the question is, I want to talk about the, the evolution of the tree stand too. Um, How many prototypes did you go through and test before you came to the final destination, which is to the market today? Um, probably in the neighborhood of 50. Damn. So we went through about 50 stands. Uh, we still have some of the original uh, platforms, but most of them were destroyed in testing. Yeah. So what were some of those, uh, the things that you did the most tweaking on, you know, from, let's say, the, the 1.0 most thing version? Was, was, um beef in certain areas and, and um, lightening up other areas, um, trying to tweak it as light as possible. So um, we were real, you, you know, we're looking at the competition and it's kind of aggravating because some of them don't do any testing and they just put stuff out that you know would never pass rating. But we took this stuff and we tweaked it so it would pass um, a rating from an outside firm. And I do actually in my in my shop i do um rating and testing and all that stuff so it's not a big deal for me to get to that point 
but we still wanted to send it out. But we made sure it was going to pass before we sent it out by doing the rating and the testing. But what we do is uh, we do testing to see where you're going to have uh, stress points on the stand. And, you know, and we take it as light as possible. We test it and we'd feel like, okay, well, this one is, uh, this one will hold 400 pounds in, in this position, but over here, you know, it'll hold 280. So we're going to beef up the 280 section and, and take material out of the, you know, 400 section. And we just kept tweaking models like that. And, and, uh, and, uh, exactly where you have the, um, cable points and, and, uh, stuff like that until we had a stand that would, uh, withhold what we wanted it to hold. Gotcha. So I, I noticed that the stand itself is like what? 6.1 pounds bare. Is that it? I, I think it's actually six, six point, uh, seven or something like that. Or got, 6. Yeah, 6. I got it right here somewhere. I, Where is it at? I'm not positive, but whatever's on the website is accurate. Yeah. So we have, Oh, six, yeah, I'm sorry. 6.8 pounds. And, uh, and that, that's an interesting point because I, I can tell you I've, I've looked at the competitions and you put it on a scale and it's nowhere as close to what they're advertising. Ours is what we're advertising. Okay, so with that lower with that lower weight, one thing and just I'm looking at the spec sheet on the website here. I noticed that the 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 weight rating is for 275 and maybe not 300 like a lot of tree stands mm-hmm. are, um, does the 275 drop you out of certain certif- uh, certifications or anything like that? Uh, no. Um, it's kind of interesting how we developed that number because uh, we tested the stand in our facility um, for a rating of 300 pounds, and, and it surpassed a 300-pound rating. But we had some uh, um, group meetings about it and stuff, and I just felt with that lo- smaller platform, that I didn't know if I really want somebody over 300, like 300 pounds in that stand. Yeah. Um, but we could get that rated for 300 pounds. As a matter of fact, the rating facility um, kind of looked at me with a, you know, raised eyebrow and said, uh, you know, you, you guys would have passed for 300. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, maybe I should have rated it for 300 because everybody else is. But I really, my mindset is never to look at what everybody else is doing. I just feel like a guy 300 pounds is going to need a little more room than what's in that stand platform. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. So it's not like you, you said, okay, well, um, I have three, you know, I have the weight rating of 300 pounds. I can, I can shave off more material to make it rated, you know, and rate it less. It's not that that's not the case, right? So, so the case for us was I wanted to make a stand with a rating of 300 pounds and I did that. Yeah. And then when we sent it for testing, we, we, we had it rated on the outside for 275. You pick a number, you tell them what you want. And we said 275. Gotcha. And uh, um, we had already tested it to 300. I just don't want to market it to people who are going to be disappointed in it. Yeah. And it's, it's a small platform. And uh, I think a big guy isn't going to like it as much. I mean, it's, a, it's an expensive purchase because of the machine that goes into it. And I, I want a guy to be happy when he spends that money. Yeah. So how did you come up with the, the specs, right? The, the 20 inch seat height, the nine by 11 and a half seat, the 29 by 16 platform, all that stuff. Well, the platform, um, I, uh, I got into stands, tried them out, saw how it felt. And, uh, 
I'm a little tight in the platform, but I like that. Um, you don't need much. Get up against a tree and, and uh, blend in, you know. But uh, uh, the, the seat, we, uh, we went with kind of the industry standard size um, so that a, a guy could uh, purchase aftermarket seats from, from the various companies that sell them for, I mean, it's basically the same size as a lone wolf seat. Gotcha. Um, just a lot lighter, right? basically. Okay. So when it comes to the other stands on the market that are similar to the B, the beast stand, um, you know, cause people look, you know, just by looks and people who are uneducated in the, the whole process of building and developing a tree stand, where are the biggest differences between what you've brought to market and what the other similar stands have on the market already? Um, well, they're, most uh, similar stands are, are mass-produced and pouring molds or um, welding things and stuff like that. And we're taking a solid piece of metal yeah. and cutting that stand out of it. Right. Um, we're we're uh, machining everything right in Wisconsin. Um, it's all real precision stuff. Um, we make sure everything's really, uh, you know, a great fit. Everything works right. Um, they're hand-built in our... Uh, in our uh we've got a warehouse and we hand put them together and test each one so gotcha so then as far as the the end user is concerned right you know everybody knows you for being the mobile hunter um who is buying this tree stand i mean who is your end user uh it's going to be a guy who um is obsessed with uh, white tails and he hunts mobile i mean um you know, you see a lot of hoopla with people um, screaming about the price and stuff. But if they don't understand the price, they're they're not the kind of person who should buy it. Because if you're if you're hunting out of a cheaper stand, you're probably not hunting like me. You if you hunt like I do, <laughs> you'd understand the value. You know, you got to be able to get into certain trees, and equipment is stopping a lot of people from getting in trees. Um, you see it with climbers. I mean, people look searching for a straight tree. Um, and then you get other equipment and you see people trying to make it work in a tree that don't work. And, um, obviously any tree stand, no matter what it is, you can find a tree that won't work, but to maximize being able to get into anywhere. I mean, most of my setups, when I sneak in on a deer, I'm getting to within a hundred yards of that deer. I mean, I'm hunting on public land. These deer do not move around in daylight. You've got to get right up on their bedding to get a, a crack at them. So I got to be able to get in there quiet and I got to be able to get into just about any tree. And uh, I'm getting into trees that are, you know, three and a half inches, four inches in diameter um, that are crooked. Um, I'm having to put them on a certain way to hide with behind the branches and stuff. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff you need um, to do what I'm doing. Uh, to hunt like I'm hunting, you need that kind of equipment. Like I said, I built it for me in the style that I hunt. And it really is a niche market. It's for mobile guys that want to go in there and creep up on bucks and set up on them. But there's also a market for it for the guy who's uh, got a farm and he's got a bunch of set stands. You still need a mobile stand to make a move when you see something. If you're sitting on that farm and you in, in your permanent stand and you see a 10-pointer that you want to shoot 200 yards off, come out of a bedding area, and enter a bean field or something if you don't move over there the next day you're an idiot 
Yeah. So there's a mobile market for anybody who's serious about trophy hunting. Yeah. So what do you think is the most important categories? Uh, and that's a kind of a broad statement when it comes to uh, a broad question, when it comes to mobile hunters, like noise, lightweight, um, I don't know, made in America, that kind of stuff. What do you think for the, the guys who are on the beast forum or the guys who you interact with on a daily basis, what are they most concerned about when it comes to their gear? Well, it's, it's funny. Cause I think, uh, weight seems to be the, the, the number one topic lately. Um, where I think really getting into any tree should be the number one topic. Um, but we, we addressed every single um, issue that you mentioned, yeah. but uh, I do believe that um, weight is the number one thing talked about the most. Okay, and you think that plays the biggest role in uh, decision making for? So what I'm getting at is everybody, you know, there's this lineup of tree stands on the market, you know, that are in some way, shape, or form similar to the functionality. Let's say is similar to the B stand. Um, these guys are weighing weight as more important than other categories. Yeah, I, I believe you're right, but I, I, I believe okay. they're wrong. Okay. And, and the thing is, too, I could I could chase that. I could go out and make, you know, a five-pound stand. But the difference between a five-pound stand and a six-pound stand, you're not going to feel that on your back. And I'm not going to make stuff just just to sell it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um. Like guys uh, are like, hey, you, you took the bow holder out of it. Well, yeah, there's not room for it. You want me to put one there just to sell it to you? Yeah. And that's what some other companies are doing. You want one? We'll put it there. It ain't going to work, but we'll put it there. You know, um, for me, it's about functionality. Um, in order for me, it's, it's kind of my mental thing, you know, my mind game with myself. In order for me to build something, I have to, I have to believe in it. Yeah. I can't just build crap sell it because that's what the people want i think most people think they want something but they really don't yeah you know what i mean if they actually use the stand or try to they, they would see what i mean but it's really about functionality and being able to get into any tree um having it be somewhat lightweight but it doesn't have to be the absolute lightest it just has to be you know uh quiet light and you can get into any tree and uh it's really about the whole package. Yeah. And in, in a way, you've already asked, you answered this next question, right? Because a lot of people, and I've, you know, like I've read on the forums and, uh, and on social and whatnot, they see the 625, you know, price and they go, holy cow, man, that is way higher than, you know, that, that's a higher price than, than the competitors, so to speak. But how do you address that? How do you tell those people that, Hey man, it is worth that dollar amount and maybe talk about the process and the materials that go into it. Well, that's, that's a simple equation. Um, if you look at, uh, most of these guys that are complaining about it, they've all got a thousand or $1,200 bow and they yeah. replace it every four or five years. Yeah. What's a bow? It's two cams, two limbs and a riser. You know, how the risers made just like my stamp. <laughs> the same process to make that aluminum riser. So basically, um, the process is expensive. Um, if you think I'm getting rich off this, I'm not. Uh, not at all, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But 
we're making an advanced product and I believe it's going to take off here in the future. And, uh, it's, it's an expensive process to make this. And, and if you can pay that for a bowl, you can pay that for a stand if you want it, you know, and the guys who hunt like I do are going to want a product like that. The yeah. guys that, uh, that aren't going to understand are the guys that are listening going, you know, I put five stands on my, my property. How am I going to, afford that you know i pay you know 80 bucks a stand if you know what i got cheap stands on our uh, our farm too that's usually not where i kill the buck i kill the buck because i see them out of those stands and i make an aggressive move and go over and kill them right so it's a it's a very niche product for with a specific purpose correct yeah yeah so Let's talk about what's next, right? Because here, you know, just just the conversation that I've had to you, you've you've talked about a lot of time and energy and testing to come to you know come to the market with the the sticks in the stand. What's next coming out of the Beast Gear camp? Well, um, I've got some other ideas for some lightweight small stands that I can't talk too much about. Um, because there's a, it's a pretty much of a copycat market right now. Yeah. But um, we are working on some stuff right now that's uh, pretty exciting. Okay. But it'll probably take a couple of years to develop. Okay. What about the saddle game? I mean, everybody and their mama is <laughs> is you know preaching about the saddle these days. Do you see yeah. yourself ever getting into that market? Well, um, I might make a saddle platform. I think I could make a pretty cool one. But it, uh, saddle hunting isn't really much, for, you know, I'm not much for it. Yeah. Um, I feel you really got to get close to those trees and hug them so that you're not getting spotted. Um, I have a hard time shooting around trees and over straps and stuff and not moving around, hanging on a strap. So for me, it's, it's a teach your own, but it's not really a great concept for hunting big bucks to me. Yeah. Um, but that said, I do believe I could make a pretty cool uh, platform for those guys. Okay. So. All right. That, that is on the horizon. Gotcha. Um, outside of the, the tree, right? The Outside of the sticks, outside of anything that goes on the actual tree, um, any interest in building like high-quality accessories or things that are already on the market but making them better or, you know, give them the, giving them the Dan in fault touch, so to speak? Yeah, we, we got a couple things we're working on now. Um, but some of them are on, like on the back burner until we uh, get this uh, production run rolling. Gotcha. But uh, but we have uh, you know camera arms and uh, advanced seat cushions and things like that on, that we're working on. Okay. All right. So you know one of the last questions I have for you here is, you know, a guy listens to this. He goes to your website huntingbeastgear.com, and he he checks out all your gear, and he's debating on whether he buys your sticks and stands or you know other another other tree stands on the market. What pitch are you giving them to persuade them to get your products? Well, I mean, one thing they should do is look at reviews. I mean, uh, everybody that's bought our sticks is. I mean, I very seldom see a bad review. I don't. I I think I've seen one ever. That, that where somebody had a negative review. Um, if you look at, you know, how people like their products I and mean, talk to people that have them, yeah. that, that's, you know, cause I, you know, anytime I tell somebody something, they think I'm trying to sell them something, yeah. you know, but the best thing you can do is 
talk to somebody who's unbiased who has them. Yeah. Yeah. Say, hey, who, who has them and is using them, and what do you think? Yeah. Um, if you have a buddy that's got a set, try them. Because my big my big thing, you know, with the sticks and the stand is once it gets in a guy's hands and he tries it, it's game over. They're not buying a different brand. It's it's a superior product, and and you'll know it when you try it. Yeah. How many years have you uh, have you been hunting, Dan? I've been hunting my whole life. I'm 54 now. I um I think I hunted started hunting when I was about nine. Nine. Okay, so that's a lot of years of hunting. How has all of those years experience, and I should have probably asked this at the beginning of the podcast, but how have all those years of experience in the timber led you to beast gear? No, well, definitely it does. I mean, that's the thing you got to look at when you're looking at a guy who's, um, who's developing products, who has uh, you know, a thousand acre ranch and hunts out of uh, permanent stands all the time who's making this to develop it, to sell to you, they're not going to understand the needs of a, of a guy that goes and does what I do. And uh, there's a lot of guys that probably listen to your podcast that are just like me who go out there in public land and go back in two miles into a swamp to hunt and have to get their gear through cattails and through brush and stuff and walk that far and have deep water and, and not get half dead by the time they get to their tree stand. You know, and then you got to get back out in the dark. Um, guys that are developing that don't do that, they're they're not developing a product that can do that because they don't even know, you know, what that's about. Yeah. So I don't think there's any other people that develop tree stands that hunt like I do, but I do think the majority of people hunt like I do. Maybe not because they want to, but most people can't afford a lease. Most people can't afford a um you know a private farm so a lot of guys are are hunting public land and a lot of guys choose to now nowadays yeah you know and and this equipment is developed by a person who's not only hunted like that his whole life but he's also in that unique position where i'm in a career where i build and develop products and, and have a huge expertise in development yeah absolutely Well, I tell you what, Dan, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the Hunting Gear podcast here and uh, talk about the beast gear, man. Uh, Looking forward to uh, seeing what else comes out of your camp, and uh, good luck to you, the company, and in the timber in 2021, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on.